Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, and welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy, Literacy Podcast. Today we have a special episode where we are digging in to a listener question. Melissa, this is really exciting because when we saw this question come through, we both jumped on it. We thought, oh my gosh, we have to do an episode about this question. (laughs) Yeah, I think I wrote like five pages back to the person and they probably Mm -hmm. thought I was a little crazy. I apologize. (laughs) No, it's good. We read it. We read everything that comes through and we respond to every single thing. (laughs) It's so good. Well, this question I think struck us for many reasons, but I part of it goes back to that idea that we are not able to assess reading standards. And those standards are different than foundational skill standards. And I think we can say that again. We are not able to assess mastery of, is I think what I mean, those standards, the reading standards. We can assess mastery in the moment of the skill standards, right? So those foundational skill standards. Well, and I would say it goes beyond just the assessment, but also to the instruction. Mm-hmm. Yes. They should be treated differently in teaching them, right? That you can very systematically teach the skills and the foundational skills. And then, you know, just here, here it is, try it out, <laughs> give it some practice, and then see if they can do it on their own. And like you said, the reading standards are very different and need to be treated differently, both for assessment and in instruction. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think to give a real concrete example, it's very clear in instruction. If I'm teaching CVC words and I'm teaching segmenting those words, I can see and hear if students are able to master that skill. But if students are finding the main idea of a text, it is much more complicated because there's so many things that depend on them being able to find the main idea. For example, their knowledge of the topic, the syntax of the text, the vocabulary, we could go on and on. But those factors really play a critical role in students' understanding. And it's very difficult in that moment to say a student can find the main idea and then, yep, check, they've mastered that because they may not be able to do it with another text. Right. What do you think about that? Well, I want to pause this for a second because I feel like, like you we jumped do. right into the deep end of this. And okay. I just want to bring it back <laughs> to like, what was the question that the that our listener had that we were excited to hear? So, you know, we just... always do have a really good plan to start there. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I we mean, say we're... what we're talking about and then we just go, we go. <laughs> we're already talking about it, but very specific. <laughs> I loved the specificity of this person's question because yes, that's what they were asking. Really What they're asking about was, you know, they have a curriculum and they know what you just said, Lori, right? Is that, and what we've both been saying is that these reading standards or the, any of the standards around reading comprehension, I should say, are more complex and should be treated differently and should not be treated as isolated standards. But then she said, 
I have an objective every day. I'm, I have to have an objective on my board every single day, right? The curriculum comes with an objective every day. <laughs> so yeah, how and my, do I... My leadership in my school, they're looking for an objective every day. Right, right. Yeah. So if my objective that's in my curriculum says I can state the main idea of a section of the text, what do I do with that if I'm also, I know that best practice is not to treat it as an isolated skill or standard, right? That, and I, this is, that's what blew me away was like, this is such a good question. <laughs> right. And that's where I went directly to assessment because if our objective is connected to the goal of the lesson, which then is connected to the, to the assessment, I think I was picturing this educator having an objective up that says, um, I can, um, find the main idea of a text. And then the exit ticket would have students finding the main idea of a text, right? And then that would be either a, yes, they can find the main idea of a text or no, they can't. And so I think like this conversation is not only really important to have, but it's ongoing and it's way bigger than what we are talking about today. I think it kind of, it, it mold, like melds into lots of different things. Um, one of them for me is standards-based report cards and you know, there's lots of different things that we're going to talk about after this and have forthcoming podcasts about, um, you know, in terms of like listener questions and in terms of this topic in general that are all connected kind of under the surface. So I know that, Melissa, you brought up this idea because I love the idea of starting at the objectives and starting in the beginning. And, you know, you have this very specific question. We have this very specific question from a listener. What are your thoughts on, you know, helping this teacher kind of process the trickiness of this objective situation? Yeah. Well, I'm going to pause again. Sorry. Lori's going to get really annoyed with me today because okay. I want to make sure that this listener is already pretty clear on that, like, difference between teaching isolated skills and standards and not. <clears throat> and I just want to make sure everybody is. Again, we've already jumped into it a little bit, but there's a quote from a text that I want to read, and it's a little long, and I apologize, but I just, it really spells it out for me of what we're talking about here before we jump into the like nitty gritty of what do you do with an objective. <laughs> so yeah. this is from a text called Text at the Center, which is by Meredith Lieben and Sue Pimentel. And it says, for years, almost all teacher prep programs traditional ELA instructional materials, and generally accepted practices have used both isolated strategies and skills approaches to instruction, which is unsupported by research. Those in the field have been taught these approaches and then had them reinforced in the materials they have. Unsurprisingly, many educators are resistant or unaware that they need to change. On the other hand, a text-centered instructional approach where the text is carefully analyzed by the teacher when preparing so students will be able to explore the text fully and learn from it has not been a mainstay approach taught in teacher prep programs, nor has it been the approach embodied in most instructional materials. I'll stop there, even though I could probably keep reading the entire <laughs> article to you all. <laughs> but what I think is really interesting, what they say next is that sometimes even when people get new materials where it is this tech-centered, holistic approach. You bring the standards together. Sometimes people go back to what they're used to, which is that isolated skills and standards. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there to make sure we were all 
on the same page and ready to talk about this. <laughs> I'm so glad that you did. Thank you for always <laughs> taking us back two steps so that we could go forward a little faster or a little slower, depending on what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. Now we can get into it. <laughs> okay. Well, I think what strikes me from what you just read is the idea of take like having the old things that stick and yeah. what I find that the things that stick, what I find interesting about them is they're usually the real concrete things. Like this is very concrete. You put an objective on a board. It's kind of like a routine and a habit that we've gone into. And it might seem a little bit rogue to put something up that's not an I can statement or, you know, it's something that we typically have been doing for many, many years in regards to objectives. So I, so my argument would be, my argument would be that you can still have that objective and make the lesson look completely different. I I agree. Yeah. How do you (laughs) think that, how do you think that could happen, Melissa? Here, I could talk for an hour, so you jump in and stop me, but I'll tell very clearly, like, my way I was taught how to do this and how I did it for many years was we're just going to go with the main idea as the example, right? If that is the objective, right, is finding the main idea, what I would have done and what I assume a lot of teachers do, because like they said, it's what we were taught to do. It's what's in our materials sometimes if if our materials are still doing it the old way (laughs) Um, is is this like, okay. I need to teach them how to find the main idea. I could literally pick any text I want, right? It does. Uh, maybe I'll pick a grade level text. That's, <laughs> you know, that's that's my criteria, grade level text. And then I'm going to either use let's, either a short piece of a text or maybe a whole text that's really short. And I'm going to model for them how to do it, right? That's my I do. I'm going to start there. I'm going to show you how to find the main idea of whatever it is I'm reading. Then I'm going to go on to my guided practice, right? And so somehow we're going to, you know, maybe I'll I'll ask you some questions to see if you can find the main idea of maybe the next paragraph or a different text, right? Or maybe you all are working in groups and you're helping each other find the main idea of another part of a text or a different text, right? Doesn't matter what the text is because we're just trying to find a main idea. And then at the end, I'm going to have you read maybe the last paragraph of a text or a totally separate text and find the main idea of that one. And like, that's where the assessment comes in, right? That's where you said, like, I'm going to see if you can find the main idea now all by yourself. Yes, that's exactly what I was envisioning. Right. And I mean, even as the teacher, I may have chosen texts with very clear main ideas. Probably to help help support that (laughs) lesson. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I love listening to this. (laughs) Well, do you want me to get into like what I would do differently or do you want to talk more about this old way and why we shouldn't do it? (laughs) Oh, that's such a good question. Um, Let's talk about why we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Let's talk about why we shouldn't do it. (laughs) We don't want to circle back to this. We'd like to leave it behind. Well, you can see very clearly, right? Like we said, it didn't matter what text I picked. Right. We're just we can pick whatever we want, because what are what I'm going in with my mindset, this old mindset is they need to find the main idea. And that's that that's the key. And like you heard me say, even like it could have been the next paragraph or it could be a totally different text. Like it didn't matter because my goal was just that we're practicing how to find the main idea. I'm showing you how to find the main idea. 
And then the assumption that's behind it. You know what I'm going to say, Lori? That when um, you want me to guess? Yeah, go for it. Okay. The assumption is that when students encounter a text in the future, that they will be able to find the main idea because in this lesson, they've been able to find the main idea. They've been guided through it. They've been, they've seen modeling, they've practiced, and then they've done it on their own. And so whatever text comes in front of them, they'll be able to find the main idea. We've checked it off and we're moving on to something else, a different reading strategy or skill, even though that's not, I don't like using those terms, but even though that, you know, that's not the way that we want to think about it. And that is wrong. Wrong. (laughs) That assumption is wrong. (laughs) I think that that's really powerful to say. And it's also may take a lot of people by surprise right now. It might be feeling like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect them to say that. But it is. And we see in this text at the center that that like why that is. So if anybody out there is kind of taken aback by this, our listener who wrote in was not. So she was really struggling with, I know I'm, I'm trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. This is not working. Right. What do I do? Um, but yeah, yeah, if you're feeling like taken aback, we will link the text at the center in the notes so that you can see. I mean, it's very detailed. It's very long and yeah. it's very helpful. So in text in the center, what they also say is that this use, this strategy, the way that we just described it used to work when our tests were designed in the same way so that the tests were like these, the texts that were used on those assessments were Mm -hmm. these made up stories that had a very clear main idea, probably the first sentence. So it kind of worked, right? But it, but they said like, they weren't really comprehending. They weren't really reading. We were just kind of all playing this assessment game, right? We were teaching them how to do it for this assessment. Now that the common core standards and any state standards that are aligned to those standards or similar to those standards, we use regular text, right? Authentic texts, grade level texts, complex texts, and they don't always have that main idea as the first sentence. You can't play that game anymore, right? You have to really comprehend the text and understand it. Yeah. I want to pause you for a minute because even in my brain, when we had that conversation of like the, what was the old way and What is the new way? And I don't even know if old and new is the right way to say it, but I'm going to say that for right now so we can all be very clear. The way that we used to do it and the the way that I pictured it in my mind as you were speaking was when I was teaching, you know, main idea and I had those multiple examples, right? So I was the teacher modeling it. Then I had students practice. Then I had students practice independently. I was imagining little slips of paper with snippets of text on them. I was picturing it. I I wasn't definitely wasn't picturing a book. I was, wasn't even picturing an excerpt from a book. I might've copied this out of a workbook or, you know, a random. I remember back, you know, before common core style tests, we used to have like test prep books or that we used to just, right. Or, or we used to use the, like whatever, benchmark test the district was giving, we would use those, the, the old little <laughs> texts that were in those, we would use those as practice, right? Like we just use yeah. these random texts. Right, right. And now what we're doing is we're giving students the opportunity to read authentic grade level complex texts 
texts that are worthy of reading t- multiple times, reading, rereading, digging back into lots of vocabulary, lots of exposure to different types of syntax and structure. And we're doing that in service of students finding the main idea, right? So they're going right. to, it's not, we're not saying students are not finding the main idea. Students are finding the main idea, <laughs> but that's not the main focus. The main focus is the text. The text. And in fact, I would argue like they are finding the main idea to help them understand the text so then they can do even more with the text and you right. know, try and understand it at an even deeper level beyond the main idea. <laughs> right. And it's a more authentic and, and learn from it. Yes, it's authentic. They're they're learning from both the text and the experience of digging into it. And I, I just think that it's the way that we can build knowledge for students too. It helps them to acquire more information from the text and build their mm-hmm. their knowledge. I it makes me think of what Hugh Katz said recently in a podcast, which is the three factors that impact reading comprehension, right? It's the reader, the text, and the task. And nowhere in there does it say the skill for finding the main idea, right? It doesn't have skills because skills is an underpin of those three main components. Right. Absolutely. All right. Should we talk about... Should we talk about (laughs) (laughs) the the new way or the, the way I would do it now? Yes. And I think we need to define the way you would do it now is based on common core standards, is based on what research says. It's not based on an assessment that is given to students to find their uh, grade level to find. I mean, it's just it's not based on an assessment that we would give to all fifth graders. Yeah. Um, and is that right? Yeah. In fact, I would I would say that I think the assessment part is still the messiest part of all of this. I agree. That's why I started I it with assessment. And I said, we need to talk to someone <laughs> who can talk to us about assessment. Yeah, we, we started, we, we started with, um, yeah. with Lior's. It's right? so with, intertwined. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's just messy. It's messy. But I can talk about what I think instruction can look like where you can still want to identify the main idea <laughs> of a text. Right. That's still the goal. But it can look very, very different than what we said Yeah, I think that's important because I think, you know, we're not saying totally don't teach main idea. Trash main idea. Never say main idea in your classroom. No, it's really helpful. It's still important for students to be able to find the main idea. We know as adult readers that we need to find the main idea. We know as adult consumers of information that we find the main idea in lots of things that we read. It's doing it in a more authentic way way and a way that is servicing students for their lives instead of for the moment. And that's kind of how I picture it. Right. All right. I'm going to dive in. You pause me at any time if you want to ask questions. (laughs) But so this is how I reimagined this lesson. And I picked um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech that I have a dream speech because I just like everyone knows that, right? So then I I feel like that's a solid, solid text. But again, I'm choosing a speech on purpose, right? It's not any text. I have this text in mind that I want my kids to read, understand, and get the main idea. Um, In fact, I might not even say main idea. I think I said identify the main points in MLK's speech. 
which is still finding the main idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can see already I changed it a bit because like it's not just about this main idea. It's about what were his points that he was trying to make because he's making a speech and he wanted to make mm-hmm. some points by making the speech. Anyway, sure. and there there could be more than one. I think main idea kind of limits us to like, well, can there be more than one? <clears throat> totally. There's probably yeah. more than one. <laughs> um, definitely. <laughs> I mean, when we think about even like the writing revolution and how when we talked with our authors of the writing revolution, writing an outline is really important to writing. Natalie Wexler says she still writes outlines. Natalie, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, does not come up with one big idea and then write everything under that. I'm sure there's yeah. one big idea and then lots of points under that idea and then maybe another idea and then lots of points under there. And yeah, you know, that's how outlines work. So I'm assuming the speech is also replicating that structure. So to say I, idea might be limiting. I love the idea of saying, I love saying points instead of idea, Melissa. Mm-hmm. So before I even jump into the lesson, I want to say, first off, that this would not be an isolated text, right? So this would be within a larger group of texts, probably, I'm guessing, about the civil rights movement here, so that they're coming in probably with some knowledge about what was happening at the time that this speech was given. They might even already know who Martin Luther King Jr. is, right? They might have looked at his picture. I don't know. I'm making stuff up right now, but I'm just saying, regardless, like they probably have read or seen other texts that give them some information coming into this as well. That's helpful. Um, But I would even start this lesson with some context about that particular speech, right? Because I want this to be, this is a real text, right? This is not some made up story that someone made for an assessment, right? This is real. This is a speech that was actually given. And I want students to understand that. Sometimes they have trouble knowing like this was, this is, is this a true story? Right. They ask that all the time. So knowing that this was a real speech and giving them information about when it took place, what was happening in the world at the time, if they don't already bring that knowledge from other things they've read, you know, how many people were there? Who was he talking to? Where was it happening? You know, just just all of that making this text real, right? Now now it's more about this text than it is about main idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just to connect to what we said earlier, it's authentic. It mm-hmm. happened where, you know, students can feel connected to it in a way that this actually happened in our history. Yep. yep. Um, I would probably for this text read the speech aloud because it is a speech. So, you know, I would. That's another thing I would want them to hear it actually read aloud, um, potentially have them listen to the actual speech if, you know, parts of it so they can hear Martin Luther King Jr. actually saying those words. Right. So, again, making it real where the lesson would actually come in from. And this is it doesn't have to go this way. Right. This is just one way to do it. Um, I would actually teach them how in a speech and, and MLK does this uses repetition in order to make sure that an audience hears their main points. So you can see how I'm connecting it to the main idea, right? <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving them away in a speech in particular. Okay, now let's go back and what does he repeat? I have a dream maybe a few times, right? <laughs> What's his dream? Um, and there are other words in there that he repeats. What is he repeating over and over again? Because This is a long speech and people had to just listen. They didn't have the words written down in front of them like we do now, right? They were just listening. So in order to walk away from that speech, remembering what he said and being moved by what he said, 
He had to repeat it over and over again. And so that's what we're going to look for. <laughs> we're going to look for what does he repeat over and over? And that's actually then going to help them find the main points or the main idea of this speech. I love that. That's I like that we're giving them hints strategically about the the tools in the text are used. So for example, that repetition, that's something that is being used to help. It's like a a big flag for the reader, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I'm holding up a green flag. Pay attention to me. (laughs) Right. And and me as a reader, as a student, I can see and hear, oh, this must be really important. I wonder why Mm -hmm. my, you know, my teacher's helping me figure out why this tool is of repetition or this um, is being, is used over and over and over again. What is it helping me learn about this text? Right. And what I see it, you know, it's not the handhold of like, okay, you're going to find the main idea in the first sentence of every paragraph. We don't know that that's true. (laughs) I can guarantee you it's probably not true for this speech, right? It was a speech. So it's probably not paragraphs. Exactly. We we, we made them into paragraphs when we wrote it down. (laughs) But he might have written it down before. I don't know. Um, He was a great writer, too. So could have. Uh, But regardless, right, it's it. His, he, he didn't write this thinking, okay, I'm going to put my main idea in the first sentence of each paragraph, but he didn't do that. Um, so you're giving them another way of understanding a text, not finding a main idea of a text, but knowing that, hey, sometimes when I hear things repeated, that's probably a really important idea that the author wants me to take away from this. It might not happen in every text, but it's, it's, still something I might want to look for as I'm reading complex texts. Absolutely. And then I'm picturing students talking about the main points in the text, doing a lot of work with this text, and then even going on to use this text in different ways after the fact. So this text is not like a one and done. It's (laughs) they're going to do more with it after they have this initial understanding of the main points. To me, this is a right. really big like entry point. This is right. Like, I mean, even finding the main idea, finding the main points in a text, it's kind of just like, well, what's happening in this text? And that's an initial understanding. We obviously want to go a lot deeper in the text. We've talked about this before, the yep. text that we choose are worthy of that deep study of rereading and discussion and you know, writing about. So I think that there's yes. a lot more we could do with this text. And that to me is also what strikes me as the kind of like new and old way, you know, that the difference yeah. is um, this, this quote, new way is providing lots of opportunity to work with a text because it's worthy. Yeah. And I think what you just said is really important because at the end of this lesson, I might still ask them to write down the main points. I think I, I kind of wrote down like a more clever way to do it, which was to like write a headline as if you're a newspaper reporter, because like a newspaper reporter might actually be at that, um, that event, right? And so that's a way to get the main points in one sentence. Um, But regardless of how you do it, whether it's a clever way, or you just say write down three main points from, (laughs) from his speech, you're still getting information as a teacher. But what you're getting instead of, again, the old way, like you said, was the mindset was, okay, they can find them. They can find main idea because they found the main idea in this speech. That's the old way. What I would say is the new way is I can see from this whether they 
comprehended this text today, <laughs> right? I, I know whether tomorrow when I want to dig in more around the figurative language that he uses, whether or not they had a basic understanding of the main points, right? I have no, <laughs> I'm not saying they can read any speech now and find the main idea, I'm just saying for tomorrow's lesson, I know they have a basic understanding and we can we can keep going or I need to like pause and do a little something before we go there. Yes, that's so important that right there. I would like to put on replay. Maybe our editor can (laughs) replay that for editing purposes. That is really important. If you're listening, scroll back those like 15 seconds and listen (laughs) again. It all I like especially that my students can do this with this text today, Mm -hmm. today, not three years ago, not 10 years from now, because the text 10 years from now might be related to what they are doing in their field of work and might be much more complicated. And they might need to sit with that text and read it six times. They might be in a college course learning about Western civilization and Maybe they have no background knowledge about Western civilization and they're trying to understand what's going on or in the text, but they have nothing to go on. They have no knowledge of it. So they're, they're trying to comprehend this text and find the main points, but they don't know much about it. Right. <laughs> they have to <laughs> learn about this topic. Um, and so I think that that's what's, what strikes me is today right here in my classroom and I know that by giving them the tools and by working with them to find the main points, that will transfer. But there are also a lot of other factors that go into it. So we've talked about a couple of them, right? And I don't think we're here to go into detail. But um, the one thing that I'm looking at right now that is striking me about what you just said, I'm making the connection to the active view of reading by Duke and Cartwright. Whereas students are today maybe feeling really motivated and engaged by the topic in this classroom, right? They're, they're having good strategies. They're, they're recognizing words. They're um, thinking about vocabulary. We're helping them do all of that. Maybe tomorrow the vocabulary is a little more difficult because we've chosen different words or we're working in a different way. We're asking for a different task. And right. so the, the things that change could impact how they are able to work with the text and what we're asking them to do with the text. So again, it goes back to what Hugh Cat said, right? It's the reader, the text, and the task. And that changes from day to day. And and usually if we're studying a text for several days or a week or a, a month, if it's like a longer novel, the text may not change, but the reader might and the task will <laughs> hopefully change. <laughs> so all of those factors go into play. And when I think we kind of think of it like that, that helps me think, okay, I'm going to build my students' confidence and knowledge in digging into complicated texts. And then mm-hmm. that will transfer. That's the skill mm-hmm. that will transfer, not finding yeah. the main idea, right? Yeah. But it's funny that you, when you talked about those, I thought of like, how quickly those can change if you're changing texts every day, right? Especially that motivation, oh, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, my goodness, if you have a text about, you know, um, you know, football one day and all the kids are like, uh, you know, half the kids are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And half the kids are like not into it, right? But then the next day you have something about, 
I don't know, uh, Canada. <laughs> and there's a couple kids that are like really into it. But then the other kids are like, what is this? I don't know anything about it. I don't care about it. Right. So, right. you know, when you're just pulling random texts, like, God, the motivation could be different all the time. But what I've heard so much from our wisdom, wit and wisdom teachers, especially the ones we've had on the podcast, right, is that, you know, even when you get a topic that maybe you're not that into, right? <laughs> like, I always think of um, the Middle Ages. It's always my first one. <laughs> and I've said Is that the one times. that you're not that into? I Yes. Because, well, when I first saw it, when we adopted it, I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, uh, no way are our kids going to be into this. It was a, it was a gut reaction, right, for me. Um, as like that's a, right. You have told me this before. Yeah. Like, I was just like, our like, kids aren't going to be into that, you know, but like, and I am sure I'm not the only teacher that had that reaction. <laughs> yeah. And and there are others, but, you know, that's one that sticks out to me. Well, I mean, but, there's difficult text in that module. They're reading the Canterbury well, and it, Tales. They're reading, and it you know, doesn't that, seem like, a, you know, it's not as quick of a, oh, like, what is love? Like, oh, yeah, like, that's something, like, kids are going to oh, really get into. Oh, eighth graders totally you know? would be jazzed like, about. Yeah, like, I mean, ugh, yeah. Like, Middle Ages, <laughs> are they, how are they going to relate to that? But kids are so into it. And I think it often comes down to the teacher, like, being able to say like, okay, even I don't think they're going to get into this. Like if I can like get them curious about that time period and like build their knowledge about that time period and we can like get into it together, you have time to do that when you're reading multiple texts and you're, you know, looking at artwork and you're doing all of this to, to build knowledge across instead of just like, you know, one day and we're done or even like a week and we're done. Right. So you have time to like, even even if you have to put aside your initial <laughs> gut judgment, like I did. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, okay, I, and let's I honestly, be curious I think about this. I'm remembering seventh grade classrooms that I went into, and oh, they loved the learning no, about. They loved reading these texts and learning me. about them. I know that it shocked you. I know, <laughs> <laughs> in a really good way. That was a learning yeah. experience for me. Like you know, you have those sometimes gut reactions of like, uh, I don't think kids will like this, and then you're like wrong proved wrong <laughs> when they have the time and opportunity to dig into it and learn about something you know they they had time and they had the right text to learn about it then they they were into it yeah and i think a lot of the people in the text the protagonists are their age like right. like a Which lot is super of times. helpful yeah yeah so yeah, it's so there like, is a good connector thread you know and they're I, and not that that's the only one, but I'm just that's just throwing but it's a out way, an it's, example in that medieval module, you know, right. It's a way to connect to something that may not necessarily be relatable on the surface. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, just, all of that is to say, you know, that like it really does matter that this is not just a one day or even a one week thing with a text. Right. It. it even the lesson I just like talked through about that speech, like if you're only reading that speech that day, uh, like I don't know that that's doing anything. <laughs> I think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. A big one. Huge. Yeah. And that's why that I know that that's why we believe in high quality materials because the high quality materials that we um, have reviewed and have seen have text worthy of study for multiple days and they are inquiry based and they help kids, like you said, find the main points and use the tools that they're learning about to do so and help them transfer those quote skills to other texts, but in a way that is authentic and that mm -hmm. helps them do so over time with the 
with building knowledge. Yeah. And I just want to like also make sure our listeners hear this is that even with a new curricula, like one of these knowledge building curricula, or if you don't have one of those, like I, I still think there's a way to like, even, you know, in wit and wisdom, there are objectives, right? Right. Every day there's, there's an objective. And I think it's, and a task, right? A task at the end that those exist too. And I think that's important to know that like, even though we're saying things are shifting, those can still exist, but they might look a little different, right? They might be a little more text-based. They might be, you know, among several different um, lessons, right? It might just be a part, you know, one piece of a five-day set of, of lessons about that text. Um, but it's also what you do with it, I think, is the most important. Mm-hmm. You know, You're making we, me we think talk- of a, it, this is like a two things are true moment. We can have objectives and we can be teaching using a way that is more effective than what we've done in the past in order to reach those objectives. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be binary. We don't have to do objectives or this new (laughs) new thing, you know? Right. Right. But it is a shift in both like how you probably are writing them. They'll probably look different and what you, you know, ultimately do with that task of instead Mm -hmm. of checking off the box and saying they can do this thing now. You know, Melissa, did you write an objective for what you just talked through? Yeah. I think I think I kind of said it at the beginning, but not I didn't state it. Um, can you please state just, your objective? Yes. I <laughs> identify the main points in Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. Beautiful. Simple. <laughs> Very simple. But again, it wasn't that I went through and showed them how to find the main points of some other speech. And then, oh, now this is how you find a main point here. Okay. Now you're on your own to find the main point of this speech. <laughs> right? Like it was about this speech. That The lesson was about the speech. Yeah. I think what's tricky about that is sometimes even though two things can be true, like you said in the very beginning, it is really hard to leave practices behind that may be ingrained in us. I mean, I'm just... Yeah, I did that for 10 years and and then learned a new way and sometimes found myself going back because the old way is still visually there on the board and objective. And it's really hard to to make this shift and to make this change, which is why I think the high quality materials are so helpful because they are supportive in that. Yeah. And I, you know, I I always say like you, you don't know until you see it. Seeing is believing. And that is, that is the most helpful tool that I can recommend. Like if you're out there listening and you're thinking, how do I do this? Get, get a free sample, ask to see high quality materials. That is the way that we learned. And I think that's the most powerful way to learn is by seeing an example of it. It's really difficult to think to to not have high quality materials and then try to (laughs) do this process. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I think something else that just stuck, just struck me was um, the gradual release of responsibility and that the role you, that it plays. Um, yeah. yeah. We were and so focused on that. We, I was like, we, we might need to have a whole nother podcast episode about that at some point because yeah. it works so well when you're talking about skills, right? It is very clear, very easy, very simple. You know, even 
I feel like I, I feel like I did some lesson at some point about like riding a bike, right? And you can use the same, right? Like I'm going to model, I'll show you how to ride this bike. Then I'm going to like hold your hand as you do it with your training wheels on, and then we'll take them off, and then you'll do it on your own. Um, you know, it makes so much sense, but it, it it just doesn't work the same way for reading comprehension. And I'm not saying there is no modeling ever, or there's no guided ever, <laughs> right? Right. No, but, those things exist. Yes. But it's not that same linear. Okay. I'm just going to show you how to do it. Then you do it. No, I visualize it. (laughs) I don't visualize that as a line when I visualize it in, and I, when we were, um, I think you drew this before, didn't you? Many years ago. Yeah. It's like, I visualize it like a tornado. Yeah. I remember. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I would, that was my visual that I used. I was like, it's very messy and it's, yeah, you're going around and around and around and around. You're spiraling around like a tornado. This is not a linear line, but it is the way that our brains process information. I don't know anyone who's gets on the bike, takes the training, you know, rides with training wheels. And then like the next day goes back out, (laughs) takes the training wheels off, hops on the bike and is like, cool, I got this. Right. (laughs) You have to fall off a few times and go round and round, practice, practice, and then go for it. But it is certainly not linear. And I don't even know that the gradual release was meant to be linear. Like I wonder, is that the way that we've, just like we, Sue and uh, Meredith said in episode 37, is it the way that we have interpreted the gradual release over time? Like, just like they said about the standards, like, is it the way that we kind of have made these standards into something that they weren't meant to be like skills to be mastered over time? But I like, that's why I think like they even said it there, like that can work for the foundational skills, right? That can work when you're just like, okay, now you got this letter sound. Great. Now it's probably going to just like riding a bike, any bike you get on, you'll be able to ride that bike. Right. Anytime you see that letter, you know, it will make that sound. Not anytime. You know what I mean, though. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime in a certain way, um, it will make that sound. But, but, you know, for it really matters much more with the text here, right? It's like, even for when you're looking at a text thinking, okay, what part of this specific text do I need to model? What part is tricky in this text? It might not be the first part. It might come at the end of the text. And maybe that's where you need to stop and model because something is just really tricky and hard at the end of the text. And that's where you need to show them how to think through it. And that's what's different, right? It's not pretty. It's not like... One, I actually two, think three. it mimics our conversation today very much. Like we, if, <laughs> like we have had a very messy conversation about this because it's a messy topic. I don't right. think we can have a linear conversation about it without going into what I like to call lots of sidebars to unpack each little thing as we move through it. But I hope that the educators out there listening, I mean, I hope first of all, that it sparks a lot more questions. So please keep writing into us with your questions. This was inspired by a listener question. We could do another two, 10 more about this. Um, please keep writing in and please keep asking questions and please keep wondering about what this looks like in your classrooms when you have an objective up and you're required to have an objective, but you're using high quality materials. What where, is there a disconnect? Maybe there's not, maybe you're muddling through figuring it out. You know, that's something really important to keep in mind. And this conversation was messy because this is not a linear conversation. <laughs> right. Right. And like, this is just the start of that. Com- you know, I'm thinking about yes. that specific teacher, like 
this isn't going to answer her full question. She's going to have to go no. look through all of her texts, all of the objectives that are in her curriculum and see, okay, what do I do with them and try things out, see what, what she can adjust, what she can't. Um, so it, it, it's going to be a messy process <laughs> for the teacher too. Um, it's, it is just a messy process. Yeah. But I mean, we're here with everyone. So yeah. <laughs> we're here with you and learning with you. <laughs> we'll keep talking about it. We'll keep learning about it together. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation today and start to to really dig into some really not only important but impactful questions that I mean that affect the classroom every day. So, yeah, I was gonna thanks say, for having very, this conversation. Very specific in the classroom conversation, which I love. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones we love the most, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lori. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Literacy Lovers. We release a new podcast episode every Friday and share more resources in a newsletter on Tuesday. Sign up for our newsletter at literacypodcast.com. Each week, you'll receive important information, resources, and connected content. We're excited to create a space for community discussion about our podcast. We want to connect with our listeners and support you in answering your questions. But we also realize there are a lot of other educators out there who have great advice and experience too. Let's keep learning together in our Melissa and Lori Love Literacy podcast Facebook group, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If the content in this episode helped you, share with a fellow educator and teacher friend. Our Literacy Lover community welcomes educators at every stage of their learning journey. We're so glad you're here to learn with us. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast in this episode are not necessarily the opinions of Great Minds PBC or its employees.